Hello, and welcome to another amazing episode of the Happy Hour with Ariel and Deuce. And I'm here at HMGS South Huracan this weekend in Orlando, and we're having such an amazing time. And I actually have a very special guest with me. This is Phil from Sherwood War Games, and you can check him out at SherwoodWarGames.com. Phil, welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, I wanted to ask you, uh, well, it's a silly question, what brought you to the convention? You came to the convention uh-huh. to sell your wares, but That's right. I wanted to ask you, like, how did you come into the hobby of miniature gaming? What brought you along in this uh, journey? Well, for me, it was a school war games club back in England. Really? In the, in the late 60s, uh, we had a local war games club there in the school, and I started playing when I was 11. Wow. Um, and I, I love history and uniforms. Right. Um, so I, I'm more of a painter than a player, but I okay. do love the hobby. So oh. I've been doing it for, well, I'm 63 now, so right. that's 50-odd years. So. Okay. Well, that's that's amazing. And it's amazing that they let you guys have that in school. Well, uh, they, they did then. It's not so common now. Right. Um, our, our art teacher was an ex-military guy, and he just oh. ran a club in the evenings. And oh. he, he, he sort of supervised us, but let us do our own thing. Well, that's awesome. Because it actually, it, that mirrors me a little bit. Yeah. Um, I got into the hobby when I was probably middle school age. So I'd okay. say that's probably around the same About age the same as you. time. Um, and actually, I got into it uh, with a friend of mine. His dad was into it. Yeah. And that's how I kind of got into the hobby. But one of the fun things is, to circle back to what you were saying about the school, the local college would let us use, like, the library and certain rooms on that on Friday nights to run our games. So we'd have big enough spaces with big enough tables to yeah. run the miniatures. So... The, the college was nice enough to do it, but it's nice enough that, like, elementary grade school level that they had a club for you guys. Well, history is not so, so popular now in most schools, but we, yeah. were, we were lucky at the time. So Well, that's awesome. We used, to, we used to sneak a few games in between whenever we could. We used to... <laughs> I was. We used to do stock taking um, at the school at the end of each semester, and we used to use the stock, the English um, stock room, and we'd play games in there quietly, secretly, and during the day. Um, and it was. <laughs> I'm it, sure you're probably not the only person that's done that, especially with either miniature gaming or D and D or any no. kind of gaming of that yeah. sort. The headmaster couldn't figure out why the stock taking took four weeks every year, and. <laughs> We were right outside his office, and there yeah. was a constant stream of players coming through and the, through the building. And, it, and he just couldn't wrap his oh, head yeah, around we, it. We were, we were there. We played for four weeks, in each, and we just you know made our own little terrain tables and played games in the closet. So well, that's amazing. It was a little stock room, about 12 by 6, but just big enough for a game. And what was the year, give or take, about when this was happening? Oh, um, this would be late 60s, like 69, oh, wow. 70. And what... what basically games were you playing like what system what minis okay. well this is in, in the old days we were using uh, airfix miniatures and okay. you could pretty much convert them to anything you want little plastic figures oh okay so we ran a lot of gangster games in the clo- in the stock, stock room oh, and we nice. played world war Two, which was very popular right uh, fairly basic rules I mean, yeah. we were only young kids but yeah. uh, um, we made our own rules up but <laughs> since then things have advanced such a lot I mean oh, it's, they have. it's much more common now um, it developed we were, I was fairly lucky because I'm, I'm from a place called Mansfield, which is near Nottingham in England. Oh, okay. And most of the hobby is centered around Nottingham, so 14 miles from where I lived. And a lot of the people that run the businesses now that supply the hobby are friends of mine. I, ra- I grew up with them. We played games together. Really? And we're all of a similar age group or slightly younger for some of them. But yeah. uh, So it's it, for me, it was a great place to live. I mean, it was... Yeah. I was in the center of the wargaming world. Right. Um, it's a lot bigger now than it used to be. Well, that um, definitely But Nottingham is. is still very important to the hobby. 
Well, let me ask you this, since you are from that area. Have yeah. you been to what they call, I think, the Metal Mile? Or the, I guess it's a strip where, like, the warhammer 40k guys are yeah, and there's yeah. like three or four other shops that are all yeah, right there they're all right all there in the center of nottingham um wow. asgard miniatures with used to be there um we've got games workshop there we have right. war games foundry there wow. um, just very shortly and then we've got um warlord games are right in the center of town there's north star miniatures are there too so it's a very big place it's so big now that um, people move from other areas to set up businesses in nottingham really to do, to do with the hobby wow. it's just this the ability to to relate to other people and, and mix with other gamers in other companies is a benefit so they move there to be in the center of the world if you like well and also to use maybe a more uh modern analogy it's yeah. like when all the tech companies went to san francisco yeah. because they were all around each other and they could bounce ideas off yeah, each so other and and all kind of work together exactly. a little bit and so a lot of them game together They're, they oh, may I work bet. for different companies but they still game together and they're still and you know ideas friends with cross. each other after yeah, work exactly. and have a, have a drink with each other and yeah. probably swap stories and things exactly i mean i was just one of the few that left the country i mean i came over here and was able to contact one of my friends in England and asked him if I could get a little bit of discount to make my painting a little bit more effective. Right. And he basically gave me access to his complete range of his, you know, everything he sold. Wow. So that's how I started my business. Right. And I kind of center around helping the English companies get set set up a foothold in America. Oh wow. Because um, I know most of the guys. Right. But it's good to support the local American companies too. So I kind of work with the smaller companies and try and foster good relations with them and develop their business so I can take their products all around the country. Well, so. that's great. And it, like you said, it, it gives them a foothold here and it gets them into a new market because yeah. the, the hobby market in America, I think, is, is very big. <laughs> it's uh, underestimated. I think really? the, the British companies don't realize how big the market is here. Really? Um, it's a much more spread out market, but the number of people that are involved over here is much greater than it is in the UK. Interesting, um, but uh, I think in the UK we're kind of insular about the market because we we're so complacent, really. Because we we can drive from where I lived in England, I could drive for an hour anywhere and find a show. Oh wow! Um, most weekends, so it was you never had to travel five or ten hours to get to a, a show in England. Right. Um, there's always a show, probably every other weekend, something. But there are a lot of shows, and they're very close. Wow! So we tend to take that for granted, and we don't realize how big the market is here. It's true. The shows here, there may not be as many of them, and they may be further away, but the people here are very enthusiastic, yeah. and there's a lot of them. Right. So. And especially if they can at least get a foothold in the market and set up an online presence yes. where they can ship it out here in the States. I mean, you can ship it to wherever. I mean, you can. Yeah. It's very easy now to run yeah. a mail-order business, which is what I tend to do. Yeah. Um, I run a mail-order business from my home. Uh, we're building a store and a warehouse oh, wow. and a gaming facility just outside Baton Rouge. Oh, okay. Um, that'll be open in a few weeks, definitely before Christmas. Oh. Um, and we're going to have a grand opening. We'll get some of our trade companies down and we'll you know, have a good gaming session. But effectively, I want to make it available to people in my local area so they can game and play and get, you know, develop their interest in history too, because I'm a history buff. Yeah. And most of us are. Um, and it's good to get together. And it's a very good leveler, Wargaming, right. because you meet people from all walks of life. Yeah. I mean, you can be working in McDonald's one weekend and playing games with a, a lawyer the next weekend. Yeah. You know, everybody who is Wargaming, their interests basically come first right um, 
you meet uh, such a lot of people, and there's so many interesting people in Wargaming. Very interesting people. But uh, I think so. Well, and especially when I was younger and got into the hobby, the, the people uh, like Scott, uh, who's here, former president of HMGS South, yes. was one of the guys I met when I was younger. And most of the, the gentlemen I played with were much older than me. Yes. Just sometimes 20, 30, 40 years older than oh, me. Yeah. Um, but having such wiser, older gentlemen around me not only shaped me as a person, as a youth, but yeah. I could learn so much from them. They had so many stories and so much advice and yeah. wisdom. We had a young man uh, join our uh, our gaming club. We play World War Two Bolt Action a lot, okay. which is a warlord game, but it's a, it's an easy game to pick up, and it's World War Two, so yeah. everybody kind of understands it a little bit. And this young lad joined us well, about eight years ago or so, when he was very young, very um, quiet, very insular kid, and his parents came with him for the first few visits. Okay. That young man has just joined, he's just basically gone into the Merchant Marine. Oh, wow. He's, n- he's now able to communicate with adults. He's a, an excellent gamer. He's come yeah. out of his, he came out of his shell an awful lot right. playing with adults yeah. and communicating with adults. Um, and he's done really, really well. And it was a good experience for him, I think. Oh, definitely. He was a good tournament. He went to tournaments with us after a while. Um, it certainly en- enhanced his life. And I think for a lot of people, it can do that. It stops you stay- being a stay-at-home person. Yeah. It's nice to get out and meet people. And be interactive with people. Exactly. And le- learn communication skills and interaction skills. I think so. I mean, we all play computer games and things, but yeah. there are other ways to enjoy and experience hob- the hobby. And wargaming is yeah. a hands-on experience. It's kind of like chess with toy soldiers. It is. It is. And yeah. also, I, I like it different than video games because video games, yes, you can talk on a headset maybe to somebody else when you're playing or whatever. But when you're in the same room and you're talking... And you're picking on on different nuances of the person and different social cues. That really, I think, kind of helps you and molds you as a person and, and makes you better interacting with people. It does. But the online experience is, is one that you choose. But you yes. come to a show like this, mm-hmm. you get to experience things you wouldn't normally think about. Oh, yes. And it opens up new avenues for the hobby. There are so many different interests within the wargaming hobby. Um, it's, there's so many different things to try. And if you yeah. come to a show like this, you get the chance to do that. Whereas if you just pick a game off the shelf, you've kind of picked yourself into one period. Yeah. You know, you, you know, it's nice to just experiment with new things. Right. And then also it's good to experiment with new things before you make that investment. Because exactly. a lot of these games are, are fairly expensive, uh, especially if you really get into it. And so it's nice to be able to kind of try something out and then figure out what flavor. I mean, it's like Baskin-Robbins. There's 31 oh, flavors. Yeah, exactly. So you just got to figure out which flavor is the one you like before you decide and to take it It's always home. nice to try a new flavor. Oh, yeah. yeah. And there are so many different games that you can play here at, at Huracan. And then, of course, Recon's going to be coming again down the road. That's right. Um, but tell our, our listeners, what games can they find at SherwoodWarGames.com? Well, we do primarily historical games. Okay. Um, we have a, a, a very wide spread of, of products for the historical periods. We do ancients through to World War II mm-hmm. and ultra-modern miniatures. Um, you, can, you can basically play um, the American Civil War, the English Civil War. We have model kits which are somewhat demanding for some people. Right. We have kits that aren't very demanding if you're not that way inclined. Yeah. Personally, I'm a painter. I don't like to build models. Okay. Um, so I have f- m- m- models and things that I can build that I can enjoy painting. We do a lot of um, products from Warlord Games. Uh, okay. They have a very widespread of historical periods. 
Um, I have a, an extremely good range of books and rules. So if you decide you want to try something new, we have we probably have something for you. Oh, that's good. Um, we do have a good circuit experience. We go about 14 shows a year. So we do tend to learn from our customers. Um, we we deal face-to-face. We like yeah. to do the face-to-face. And that's why I would like to open a store. And I say we're very very nearly there now, but it's hard work. Well, I understand <laughs> that. And definitely check out SherwoodWarGames.com because I'm sure once you open the store, you're going to put on your website where oh, the yes, location is a, and everything. Well, well we're based in uh, Denham Springs, which is like 14 miles east of Baton Rouge. Okay. So we're opening a, a store for our local community because we lost most of our facil- gaming facilities in a series of storms. Oh, wow. And they just haven't reopened. Well, I'm fortunate enough that my property never, ever floods. Oh, that's So good. we're opening it there. And okay. It'll be open every day of the week as long as people, you know, arrange to come around and right. play. They can, they're welcome to come and have a game. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and we'll... We'll help them to paint. We're going to have painting sessions. Um, we're going to introduce them to new players. We're going to run Dungeons & Dragons events on the weekends right. for the children to learn, for the younger kids, and get them into something they can enjoy and play and interrelate with other kids and other adults. Well, and I think that that's a beautiful thing. The other thing, and I may be a little bit ignorant on this, so you're going to have to excuse me a little bit. Okay. I would think that that is a, a whole new area that maybe hasn't seen a ton of the hobby. Well... We have a very widespread of interest locally around Baton Rouge. And oh, that's awesome. We have a lot of card players, Magic uh, Wizards of the Coast, play right. cards. I don't really tend to market the cards because we have four of the clubs in the area for that. Yeah. Where we're lacking is places for people to play with miniatures. Yeah. So that's what I aim to provide. It's a, you'll have a comfortable experience. We'll have snacks. You'll have access to tables and terrain. Right. You just bring your armies or borrow an army, and you can spend an hour or three hours. You know, just come and join in. Well, that's so. awesome, which I do want to say because I did get a chance to look at your booth. Yep. Your terrain is absolutely beautiful, oh, the terrain you. that you're selling. I mean, it, gorgeous pieces. Well, 50 years of experience in the hobby, you, <laughs> well, you, kind of, yes. you do kind of become a little bit picky. Um, I don't sell products that I'm unhappy with. Um, right. So we like to warrant everything we do. So if there's a problem, I'll sort it out. Right. And it happens occasionally. You get the occasional product you may have to do something with. But bad products I tend to avoid. Yeah. And I've had a lot of experience in knowing what people like and what I enjoy playing with. So I stay with within my market that I understand. So. Well, let me ask you this, and you can feel free to pass on this question. Okay. When you look at a product, what makes you go, hmm, I don't know if I want that one. Look, mate, to you, would you, is like your earmark or your red flag of what is a product where you're like, eh, I don't know uh, about that. Really, I like quality products, um, yes. but not too expensive. Right. There's a lot. We can all make We can all make things, and we scratch building is quite a hobby um, in itself, building things from little uh, things you, you wouldn't expect to build right. things from. And we've all done that. Yeah. Um, but I think from my, my own point of view, when I open my store, I want to show the the very best of the hobby, the what right. can be done um, and with simple materials to produce a quality product. Right. And so I'll be basically working to produce quality products that people can enjoy looking so they have something to aspire to. Okay. And I'll help them to do it. We'll teach them how to make terrain, how to paint their miniatures, how to improve their experience of the hobby. Um, what I don't want to be doing is... Uh, piling high and selling cheap um oh, it's there a, you go you know, yeah it's a bad smart. experience yeah. for everybody yeah um nobody wants to sell a product that's going to give people trouble um, right so i avoid that too well and then also if you 
if you sell a product like that, the people aren't going to come back. That's so, the point. I mean, yeah. We value customer service. Yeah. I mean, if we make a mistake, we stand by it and we'll yeah. do something about it. And we, we basically deal with it ourselves. We don't right. pass that problem on to somebody else. And I'd be wrong to say there are never any problems because we import a lot of products right. and they get and things go missing in the mail. Right. Um, things get packed at the wrong end by the manufacturers. Right. We deal with it. Our things can always happen in transit, especially oh, if it's yes. coming all the way from England here. I mean, yeah, something can, can be brutal. Yeah. yeah, Customs so. can be terrible. Uh, we've had experiences when stock arrives and it's been sat out in a yard somewhere and it's rained on it for three days. Oh, goodness gracious. Oh, yeah. And we have to deal with all that. But for people who deal with us, they don't have to worry about that. When they yeah. order from us, we take all that responsibility and we deal with it. And then they, we dispatch to them quality products. If right. a product goes wrong on the way, we deal with the hassle and the aggravation and we return it and we sort it out. So well, that's but, terrific. Uh, and, and, and how any good business should be run. But I mean, especially in your case, because like I said, it, a lot of these products are coming from other countries that that's gotta be difficult. Yeah. It's nice though, but we're getting a lot of good American companies now making very really? good quality products. I mean, we have, um, Firelight games is excellent. Oh, Their they're products absolutely are brilliant. Yeah. Um, we have, and you know, Miniature Building Authority over here. Their their oh. products are excellent. Okay. Um, so we have lots and lots of good American companies now. And when I first came over here 20 years ago, that wasn't so, so much the case. Well, I remember when I started in the hobby, which I started when I started doing miniature gaming, I started more probably in the... F I did play historical miniatures, but when I started purchasing things for mm. myself, it was more the Warhammer 40K. Yes. And we're talking... Uh, early to mid 90s yeah so everything well the 40k is all made in england but like a lot of the hobby shops i went to it seemed like a lot of the stuff was made in other countries that yeah. that came over here at that time in the i'd say early to mid 90s yeah so and i think now probably maybe 2000 mid 2000s on is when we started to see more companies pop up here in the u.s i mean you might be able to tell me better than i can but i mean well, I would say timeline. Does that sound about right? Yeah, it does. Because um, initially, a lot of the English companies would distribute through um, arrangements with American companies over here. And they would right. man manufacture under license. Right. But now, a lot of those skills that um, the Americans developed during that period are producing companies for you. You have some really good you know, companies in the States that, that should, in their own right, be exporting to the UK. Um, and hopefully one day that'll happen. I mean, they're, they're, nowadays you don't really need to distribute through a country. You can send it anywhere. Yeah, because um, now with the, the between UPS and FedEx and all these different companies oh yeah. that... It's it, much easier yeah. than it was in the 90s. Oh, yes. I mean, just the issue of things like paints. Right. I come from the generation where we mixed our own paints. Ah. But now you go to a paint store, a more hobby store, there's 600 paints for you to pick from. Oh, my goodness. We it's never had confusing that confusing and oh overwhelming yeah. to, to some be. degree uh, when um, you see everything. But... The thing is, this is the experience of the older gamer. The older gamers are providing what they couldn't have for themselves. You right. know, a lot of these companies are ex-gamers who used to mix their own paints and make their own models, and they're providing things that they would have found useful yeah. to the market. And in in that respect, it's so much easier to get into the hobby now. Yeah, it's a much easier hobby. It's much more fr a friendlier hobby to deal with. Yes, so it, it definitely is. But also, I think it's great that with you guys being the older generation of gamers. You have so much knowledge to impart to uh, us younger gamers and also knowledge to 
to impart to these different companies of like, hmm. hey, back when we did it, we did it like this. And, you know, taking some of that information and maybe mixing it with a little bit of their own information, putting it all together yeah. will make an even better product, I would think. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of feedback. I mean, there's probably not as much. Some companies are good at the feedback um, between the UK and the American market. Right. Others are not so good. Oh. Um, there's very, I mean, a few of the British manufacturers will visit during the year, but companies, well, John Russell from Warlord Games is a prime example. He's the the US eyes of Warlord Games, and he's okay. their main guy over here. And he's very knowledgeable about what's going on in the UK and what's going on here and feeding it back to his company um, and makes them extremely reactive to what's happening over here. Right. Um, other companies still have to, to develop that. Yeah. Um, there's not so much interaction between the two countries. Again, I think it's mostly because England underrates the American market. Yeah. Um, there are still, how can I say it? There are still companies um, that take a little bit of an advantage over the American market. Right. Um, insofar as they assume it's going to be there forever, uh, but without doing any work. Right. Um, the, the right companies make the effort, and I think that's what pays off. Well, so. another part of the problem may be, and, and you can educate me more on this because yep. I'm just sort of guessing, is some of these companies over in England may not have the boots on the ground in America. Like the people coming over and seeing all the different hobby shops and all the different, you know, miniature places across the United States. Because the United States is a big country. We're a very large country. Yeah, that's right. And so they just might not know. They, and the thing is, they'll, they'll, if they come across, they go to one show. Yeah. Um, they'll go to Historicon, which, in my opinion, isn't the best show in America anymore. Um, it's a show. Yeah. But there are better shows. There are good shows in the States that give you a different perspective. Now, um, I, I was told by some earlier guests that came on, and I can ask your opinion. Yep. They said, as a, a gaming and hobby enthusiast, Gen Con is something that should be on my bucket list. It should. Um, it's, it's amazingly spread out. Um, the best show I've... Uh, I mean, I've never been to Gen Con. I've just heard amazing things about it. So okay. I'd be wrong to say I've been and I know all about it. Okay. Um, but I've heard some wonderful stuff about Gen Con, and it's a good market for people like myself to meet other companies and right. develop the hobby. Um, I mean, I've been to Adepticon. I think Adepticon is a good show, too. Yeah. Um, but Gen Con, uh, yeah, I'd love to go. I would love to go. I'd yeah. love to go as a trader. It's extremely difficult to get in. Um, oh, I bet. It is. Um, but one day, I hope to take my trade stand up there and show them off. Well, I mean, you have <laughs> absolutely uh, beautiful... Uh, terrain and miniatures and I mean and also the thing I think that's interesting is at least unless I totally missed things when I was looking around it seemed like what you brought to the convention was completely different than what anybody else brought to the convention yeah. unless I'm wrong well no it's because I, I do tend to um, support the English companies as much as I can because right. although the names sound impressive they're still largely family businesses I mean they're right. just successfully run family businesses right um, people like Warlord are companies, but they're one of the they're one of the larger companies. Games Workshop are a big company, right? But most of the other British companies are still s small family-run businesses. Right. They're just doing it well, and there is that potential for the Americans to do exactly the same thing. Yeah. Um, and we tend to promote the British products, but we also have distributorships from English companies that choose not to have boots on the ground over here. Right. I mean, we do Blitzkrieg miniatures. We have their range of resin tanks. We sell um, a range of trees from a, lo a local gentleman. Uh, his young lady makes trees in Ocala. 
Oh, um, th- those were the ones I saw that were very nice trees. Ab- lovely. But, but they've asked us to distribute them throughout the country for them when we go out and take our stand, and we'll do the mail order for them. Wow. So we do have some, we try to make unique connections with good companies, reliable companies that right. we can get supplies from on a regular basis and, and offer them a supplies. service. That's right. And we offer them the fact that we'll we'll process that we'll sell their products um we'll deal with all the aggravation all they yeah. need to be is artistic they need to run their business and we'll help them with everything else well i think that that's great because if you're telling somebody basically do what you're doing and keep doing it and i will handle the selling end you exactly. just give me the product and i'll handle the for end some, over for here for some people the business end becomes a, a, a bit of a hassle especially if yeah. there's only two of you running the business oh goodness gracious um, yes most of most wargaming companies still have to have a regular job yeah it's not a massively paid hobby yeah um most of us do it because we love the hobby right it's still the case with me i mean i never wanted to run a business in america i thought i would fail I, w- I thought i would lose interest in my hobby right um and i've seen it happen to so many friends who've run businesses and then have just disappeared right because it becomes a drain and it becomes a hassle for me i love it yeah. i just happen to love the connection with people new companies i love going to the shows um to me it's just it's a life yeah. i love it it's great fun well I, and i think you you hit the nail on the head it's it's a lifestyle it's something it that is. you enjoy and it's a part of you yeah it is i could make i could make a lot more money doing other things i just prefer to do what i'm doing now it gives me the chance to work with my family and work with good people well, um, that's a key to life it is it's good and most of these shows we've been coming here to uh, this particular show now seven years and most of the people here are like family friends. Oh yes, yeah. You do you do make good connections, and it's a pleasant experience. You know, who wants to do something that's not enjoyable? Right. I just love this hobby, and it has so much to offer. It's you know, it, for anybody that's in, remotely interested in hobby or in history and the hobby, they should find out. They should find a local club. Um, co- contact anybody to find out where there is a local club. Yeah. Um, most model shops will tell you. Uh, or contact somebody like us, and we'll try and put you in, in, touch, in touch with somebody. You know, that is absolutely terrific. Well, they can find Phil at SherwoodWarGames.com. Yep. You can see all of his merchandise. You can order everything you need from him online. Is there anything else you'd like to tell our our, uh, our listeners at home? Yeah, don't be shy to get involved. Um, we had a, a spate of um, controversial incidents in the UK a long time ago with the anti-war lobby. This is not about war promotion. This is about playing with toy soldiers. Yeah. Um, a lot of people will glamorize it by saying we're reenacting uh, battles from such and such. It's all about toy soldiers, to be yeah. honest. I love to paint miniatures. You'll come and you'll see goblins and elves and uh, lots of Tolkien-inspired in- in- miniatures and stuff. Lots of fancy figures. Right. It's just an, a great experience. It's no, not and it's a lot of fun for people. It is a lot of fun. Yeah. and. The people generally are extremely pleasant to deal with. Oh, yes. So it's great fun. It's another life. But uh. Well, thank you so much, Phil, for coming on the show and being here. And, guys, I hope you enjoyed our conversation, and we are going to catch you later.